Hey everyone, welcome to Faith Brook Church. It is so good that we can worship together online, on site, and for those of you watching later, on demand as well. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Mike and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Well, if you are a guest joining in with us, I just wanna take a moment to thank you for joining in. In fact, for those of you who are on site, once you reach into the seat back in front of you and grab one of the blue connection cards, if you would just take a moment, fill it out, you can turn it into one of the offering boxes as you leave. And for those of you online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a card there as well. Well, for every connection card that we receive, we do two things. The first is we make a small donation to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a little way we hope to make a big impact in our community. And second, I would love to personally follow up with you and just thank you for taking time out of your week to join in with us. So I look forward to connecting with you. Well guys, we are in August and that means we just have a few precious weeks of summer left, but it's not all doom and gloom because there's still fall before winter. And fall is an incredible time because it brings about cooler weather. And around here at Faithbrook, one thing that we're excited about in fall is our groups. And groups are a great time to not only build some friendships, but also those friendships can help us to grow in our faith with God as well. Now, if you've never been in a group, usually it's a group of people who gather together midweek, usually in a home for about an hour to two hours. And in that time, you have a chance to eat some food, chat, mingle, you do a short Bible study, and then have an opportunity to talk about that study and how you can apply to your life. And then also end with a time of prayer and encouragement for one another as you go. So if you're interested and you're thinking this is something you wanna jump into, our groups are gonna be starting in October, but signups will be happening in mid-September. So be sure to be on the lookout and don't worry, we'll be communicating and we'll let you know and make sure you don't miss the opportunity to sign up for a group. And of course, if you have any questions, you can ask me. Well, this time we're going to continue in our service. So let's welcome to the platform, our worship pastor, Taylor, as we continue in our series, Unsung Heroes. Good morning. My name is Taylor Greenhill. Like Pastor Mike said, I'm the worship pastor here. Uh, and uh, if you don't recognize me, I'm usually standing about right here with a guitar strapped to me. Some of you are like, oh, that guy, that's who that is. Well, disclaimer, this is the first time that I've ever given a Sunday morning message. So uh, nobody here really knows what to expect, including myself. Um, but we're all in this together, so we'll make it through. Uh, but honestly, I think it's kind of perfect timing. Uh, this next week on Wednesday, I'll be getting ordained up at District Assembly in Alexandria. So, so this is my last chance. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But this is my last chance to actually say whatever I want without being held accountable. So, so buckle up. But a little bit about me. I grew up in Texas. Uh, I'm a Texan by heart. Sweet tea runs through my veins. It's just who I am. My wife, uh, Katie, she grew up in Oklahoma, but we don't hold that against her. She's a great person. Uh, but my, my daughter, Lily, she's two and a half going on three. She's growing up in Minnesota, obviously. And uh, we are expecting a second child in December. It's gonna be a boy, and so we're really excited about that. We're looking forward to, to that. Well, my wife and I, we met in college. Uh, we met at Southern Nazarene University, and we actually met at the end of my freshman year. And, uh, but at the beginning of my freshman year, I was coming into this new situation, this new school. I didn't really know anybody except for like maybe two people and a relative that was nearby. And so um, this was all new to me. And I had a, a class list, and there was one class on there that I was least happy about. And there was, it was an intro to like literature or something like that. And I was never really a person into English or anything like that. 
I speak English, but I wasn't really into the class, and I was always more of a math science kind of person. I had a teacher in high school, an English teacher, who called me Zach for an entire year. So I have a little bit of baggage with English classes. Uh, but this class was different than I expected. This class, um, we looked at all different types of literature, and this, this professor was really cool. And one of the things that we got to do was we got to watch a movie. Uh, so that was a great intro to college. Uh, but we watched this movie called Memento. And this was an older movie by Christopher Nolan. And it's, if you've seen it, it's very unique. So it starts off at the beginning in black and white. And you get to watch a scene in black and white. And then it skips to the end, and there's a scene in color. And you watch that. And then you back and forth go from the beginning to the end and back and forth until at the end, you end up in the middle of the story where you finally see the resolution of the plot and everything comes together. Well, I think in part this might have been foreshadowing because uh, this is kind of how my wife likes to tell stories. You don't always get the, the best picture, except she's kind of opposite. She tells stories from the middle out. And so as she's telling a story, I'm trying to piece together what, what's going on and how, how all these things fit together. And this may or may not have happened last week, but sometimes I get a little impatient and I, I may or may not have said, Katie, what's the point of this story? What is the point? And as you can now tell, this is not a message about marriage or dating advice. So <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. It didn't go over that well. But maybe you found yourself asking this question before. What's the point? I know for me and my wife, with a toddler in the house, we clean up all the toys. We get everything tidied up. Everything looks nice and fresh and clean. And then she runs through and just wrecks it all in five seconds. And we go, what's the point? You know, maybe if you're advanced in years, you know who you are. You might uh, get a piece of technology and you, you fight hard to learn that thing and master that thing. And by the time you do, there's five newer things that have come along and it doesn't, like, your thing's outdated now. It doesn't even matter. I'm now 30, so I'm feeling that a little bit more than I used to. Um, I used to be one of those young people. <laughs> but maybe it's work. Maybe there's work pressures and stresses, and, and maybe your boss is, is on you on these projects and driving you crazy over and over again. And maybe you ask that question. Or maybe you're thinking about your life. Maybe it's all the choices and all the decisions that you've made in your life. Maybe it's late at night, the kids are in bed, and you're just exhausted and you're trying to rest and, and you're just trying to prep yourself to rinse and repeat that same thing again the next day. Maybe you're later in life and the kids are out of the house and they don't need you like they used to need you. Or maybe you're a young adult or a student and you're just trying to figure out where do I fit into this world? You know, what am I going to do with my life? Do I have a purpose? What is the point to all of this? Well, I think every human in history has had to wrestle with this at some point. And over 150 years ago, there was this Russian novelist, and his name is Dostoevsky. And he wrote a famous novel called The Brothers Karamazov. And in it, he was dealing with this same issue. And he said this, the mystery of human existence lies not in just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. See, life without a point is inherently pointless. But I would also argue that life with the wrong point is going to lead you farther and farther away from
from the actual fulfillment and joy of your life that we all crave for. In the world today, we uh, have been so, we've developed this hyper-individualistic idea of life and purpose, and that if we could just dig deep enough, if we could just find our inner truth and our inner self, that that would lead us to happiness, that would lead us to fulfillment. And more and more people have have come to believe in this and come to accept this, and especially the next generation, Generation Z, have embraced this. And now Gen Z is the most depressed and the most suicidal generation that we've ever seen. So something isn't working. What's the point? Well, this summer we've been in this series called Unsung Heroes, and it's been really cool because we got to look at some people in the Bible that we just don't always get to focus on. And and just because maybe they play a smaller role or we don't talk about them a lot, doesn't mean that we can't learn a lot from them and how God used them. So this week, we're going to actually be looking at a man that might help us with this question. He's found really early in every single gospel account, but it's not Jesus. Today, we're actually talking about John the Baptist. John's mom, her name was Elizabeth, and she was a relative of Jesus's mom, Mary. And so basically, Jesus and John are some sort of cousin. We don't really know exactly, but we'll just call it that. The first time that we meet John, he's actually only known as John the baby at the time. He hasn't become John the Baptist yet. But he, he's in his mother's womb, and Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and Mary's carrying Jesus. And at that time, John leaps in his mother's womb. And even as a small baby, he's pointing people and their attention towards his cousin, Jesus. So the next time that we actually see John, he's already begun his ministry. He's already begun baptizing people, and he's living out in the wilderness, and he's calling people to repentance. And he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is where he becomes known as John the Baptist. Some traditions actually call him John the Baptizer, which I think is a little cooler. I think I would prefer that if I was John. I think as a kid, I might have been able to be Taylor the Baptizer for how many times that I dunked my little brother in the pool, (laughs) but it didn't stick. But we don't really know a lot about John, Um, but we do know what he eats, which I think is interesting. In Mark's gospel account, he writes this, John wore clothing made of camel hair, a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And as I'm preparing for this message, uh, I'm just wondering, why did they bother to put this in? Right, this is, this is uh, a letter that, John, or that Mark wrote about Jesus. This was super important, and anything you wrote down at that time was super important. So why would he include this? Right? If someone was writing about me, would they say, oh, Taylor wore clothes of cotton blends and an Apple watch around his wrist and, and he ate Mexican food in Chick-fil-A? Right? Would, would they put that in? I don't, I don't really think it's that important. Like, but Mark found it important enough to put in about John. And it's kind of interesting because to the Jews of the day, this would have sparked images and memories in their, in their minds from their history, from their past, from the stories they grew up listening to. And so back when the uh, Israelites were in Egypt, they were enslaved in Egypt, and they were there for just about 400 years. And so um, when, when God was putting together a plan through Moses to rescue them, God sent these plagues on the Egyptian people. And one of the plagues that he sent was locusts. 
And, and he rescued the Israelites after 400 years of enslavement, took them through the wilderness, and he led them into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And in a similar way, John the Baptist is this transitionary figure that takes us from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And so the Old Testament, for those of you who maybe don't know, starts in the beginning. And we see the story of God's people unfolding and the Israelites taking on their role as the people of God. We see the law of God and the prophets. And then the New Testament starts with Jesus. And we see his ministry and we see uh, the, the beginnings of the church as we know it today. And in the middle, there's this similar 400-year gap where we hear nothing from God and we have no prophets until John shows up. John was helping shape the way for something new that God was wanting to do in the world and that God was wanting to reveal through his cousin, Jesus. And John had a really solid grasp on his purpose in life. We read that John actually baptizes Jesus, and this kind of marks the beginning of Jesus's ministry, um, and he goes on to do a lot of things, and John goes on with his life, and we rarely see their ministries cross paths, but in this next part of scripture, we see that happen. And so this is out of the book of John, and this is actually written by John the Apostle, not John the Baptist, so a different John. And we get to peek in on the scene where John and Jesus are both baptizing in the same area. And so this is what happens. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water, and we'll come back to that in a second. The people were coming and being baptized. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, that's Jesus, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. See, John's disciples are getting jealous of Jesus. They're getting jealous of his ministry that is taking on more and more traction. They're like, John, do you see this guy over here? Right? Do you see what he's doing? He's starting to crowd in on us. He's starting to, to take some of the people that we should be baptizing, right? This is what we do over here. What is he doing? He's even starting to get more credit than us. He's getting to, to more followers than us. Like, what is going on? And to this, John replies, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom, or the best man we might call it, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. John is saying, guys, you don't understand. The bigger that his following gets, the better. He says, the more famous he is, the more joy that I feel in my life. He says, it would be fine if all of you, if everybody left me and swarmed him. That's why I'm here. See, John understood this very simple point, and that is the point of life is to point people to Jesus. The point of life is to point people to Jesus. And that's true for John's life, that's true for my life, and that's true for your life. John knew that it was never about him. Right? He didn't only not mind playing second fiddle to Jesus, but he loved it. He embraced it. Pointing people to Jesus was what gave him 
joy and fulfillment in his life. If you and I could just embrace this purpose in our life, we could have a little bit of that joy that John discovered. See, John lived in the wilderness. John ate bugs, okay? John had nothing, but he did have this joy that came from knowing his purpose and living it out every single day, pointing people to Jesus. And there's not a person on the planet today that doesn't need to be pointed to Jesus. God's heart is that all would come to know him, that everyone would know that there's a God that created them and that there's a savior that loved them so much that he gave his life up for them and died for them so that they could have life and not just any life, but life to the full, abundant life. And this purpose is for all people, right? No matter your wealth, no matter your career, no matter your personality, no matter the past that you have, the choices you've made, the point of your life is to point people to Jesus. The reason you're here is to make Jesus known because God wants you to be part of his plan to redeem a broken world. But see, we actually have to live this out. And today I'd like to propose two things two ways that I see this being lived out in our lives. So write this down. Number one, wear camel hair. And two, eat bugs. Okay, those are the, just that simple. If you do that, it's going to work. No, but the first way that we can point people to Jesus is as a byproduct. See, our life has a point, but our life also has the ability to make a point. A couple of years ago, uh, I got a bill in the mail, or it might have been email, I don't remember. And our, it was from our trash company, and it was two or three times higher than what I expected. It was, it was a lot more, and I was like, oh, great, this is another thing I have to figure out. And so put it on my list, and at some point that day, I decided to give them a call. And I mean, it took forever to get on the phone with anybody. It took so long. I mean, I'm still on hold in the back right now. Just waiting for him to pick up. No, but it took so long. And the longer that it took, the more frustrated that I got, the more irritated I was because, because it, it became more and more inconvenient for me because I was having to go do errands, I was having to work, and all the time I had this distorted, awful music playing in my ear that I'm trying to focus on things, and I'm just getting upset. And so finally this woman answers the phone, and man, I just lay into her, and I'm just so upset, and I start chewing her out. No, no, I didn't. No, for some reason, I think the Holy Spirit was working overtime because I was calm, I was polite, collected. And as I was talking to her about the problem, she told me that this was some big glitch that they had had in their system, and every single customer had gotten the same thing happen to them. And so this lady had been on the phone all day with upset customers, complaining and, and having to sort out these issues. And so we finally kind of got the problem resolved, and, and I could tell that she just was not having the best day. I wouldn't have been. Um, so I tried to just thank her for helping me and just encourage her and say, I hope things get better. Like, I hope, like, thanks for helping me out. And, and she kind of closed off our conversation just by saying, thank you for just being nice to me. Thank you. Thank you for not yelling at me. And, you know, thankfully, 
I wasn't letting my inner emotions take over, right? My selfish nature was so irritated. You know, it was so inconvenient. But unleashing my frustration on this woman was not going to make me feel any better, and it wasn't going to give me any sort of satisfaction. And it certainly wouldn't have pointed her to the Jesus that she needs to know about. You know, when you're with your family, when you're with your coworkers, when you're even on the phone with a stranger, you know, is your life pointing people to Jesus as a byproduct of just being around them or talking to them? Are people seeing Jesus when they see you? You know, the way that we live, the way that we behave can point people towards or away from the love of Christ, even if we don't realize it. And in order to point people to Jesus, we have to be open to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do within our lives and also around our lives. But if we're far from God, if we're, if we're not connected with God, it's going to be really hard to have a godly byproduct come out of our life. And this is why John finishes his thought by saying this famous line, he must become greater, I must become less. He has got to be greater and I have to be less. John got it, right? If life is all about us, then it can't be about Jesus. It's often said that a student can't serve two masters. Well, I think John would argue that a heart can't serve two masters, right? The greater that he is, the more of him that flows out of our lives and into the lives of people around us. But the greater we are, the more opportunities that we're going to miss, the more we're going to miss what God is doing in this world and wants to do through us. I don't know if you can relate, but for me, the greater that I am, the worse I am to be around. Right? The more that I am important, the more I wreak havoc on my family and the people around me, and the less that I'm pointing people to Jesus. But the more that I stay connected with God, the more of my life and my will that I surrender to him, the more I am able to point people to Jesus through the way that I live and through the way that I love. The first way is as a byproduct, but the second way is pointing to Jesus by design. At some point, we have to take a bold and courageous and strategic step to invite people into a relationship with Jesus and into the community of Christ, which is the church. At Faithbrook, everything we do is by design. Right? Everything that we do, everything that we promote, every step we want you to take is to lead people into a new and thriving life with Christ. Everything that we do from when you walk into our experience to, to what we say to how we live is to point people to Jesus because that is the most important thing to us. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Pointing people to Jesus can be very difficult, right? People are messy. Situations are unique because people are unique. And sometimes people take little bitty baby steps forward and then giant adult-sized steps backward. And that just happens. There's no clear-cut strategy. Pastor Jim is constantly asking the staff, who's your one? You know, who's the one person that God has put in your lives that you're praying for, that you're strategically targeting to, to invite into faith, or to invite into a life with Christ. Well, a few years ago, a woman named Kristen had the misfortune of becoming my one. 
Kristen uh, was the hairstylist that I just got randomly assigned to when I called and set up an appointment at this place. Um, and she ended up doing a pretty good job, great job. So I just kept coming back. And uh, she, to this day, she's the reason that I look so great on Sundays. So <laughs> you can thank her for that. I know that you guys have to look at me most Sundays. So. But slowly, we became friends. Slowly, we began just building a friendship and getting to know one another. And, and slowly, I learned about her life. I learned about her boyfriend, Eric. I learned about her little new baby. I learned that they, they grew up in church, that they knew about church, but that it was something that they kind of left in their past and didn't really want much to do with. I learned that they had some really big plans and things were going well until the recession hit back in 2008. And so one appointment after the other, I just kept building a friendship, kept, kept talking and, and uh, swapping shows on Netflix that we thought we might like. And uh, I just kept looking for open doors to share my faith, to share about Faithbrook, to share about God. And eventually the opportunity came and I was gonna invite them to Faithbrook's grand opening. And it was, we were excited about this. We had just built the building and it was like the best opportunity at the time to invite them. And so we were ramping up and I was excited because we had all of our ducks in a row and everything was great and no show. And I was a little bummed, but you know, I wasn't going to quit. And so we just kept, I kept having haircut appointments. We kept talking, we kept building friendship. And, and uh, so I heard uh, many of the excuses uh, all the excuses in the book were dropped on me for why coming to visit wasn't going to work and, you know, they like to sleep in and all that kind of stuff. Heard that a hundred times. But then a year later, here comes our first fall kickoff. And I was so excited. I'm like, this is it. This is the one. I was hyping it up. I was so excited. This is going to be the best time to come visit Facebook. And I was ready and everything was going to be great. No show. And I'm like, ah, oh. like, darn so then, but what I didn't know, two weeks later, here they come walking through the doors of Faithbrook, and I think my jaw just hit the floor. I'm like, what? There they are. And I'll never forget what they told me later. They said they, they were terrified to come in. They were nervous. They were anxious about what they might experience. They just didn't know what was going to happen. They, all they knew was me, and I don't know if that was good or bad. <laughs> but they came in. And then when they left and they sat in the car and they told each other, that wasn't bad. And I will take it. I will take it. That wasn't bad. Long story short, Pastor Jim was able to lead them into a connection with Christ as their Savior. They've been growing in life groups. They've become really great friends of ours. I even had the honor of a little over a year ago being able to marry them. And I've even heard them talking about trying to convince other people to try Faithbrook, to try a little bit of God in their lives. So it's come full circle. And I'm so thankful just to be part of what God did in their lives. Right? It brings me so much joy, that joy that John felt, that fulfillment that John knew, to just to be a small piece of their story of transformation. You know, if Satan was to come to me and just offer me the wealth and riches and fame of the world, but he said, go back in time, never make that haircut appointment, I can honestly say it wouldn't be worth it. 
if you're following Christ, if you're trying to live like him, would you take a step of faith? Would you point someone to Jesus by design? It might be one of the best things that you ever do in your life. Who is your one? Right? Who's the one person that, that God has put in your life? Maybe they're already there. Maybe he hasn't put them there yet, but would you be open to inviting God to show you who that person is? And maybe there's more than one. And if you don't have one, would you just pray that God would present you that opportunity and continue praying for that until God follows through, because he will? The point of life is to point people to Jesus, whether it's a byproduct, whether it's by design, and optimally, it's both. See, John was a transitionary figure for the Jews of his day. And we are each called to be transitionary figures for people around us, leading them from a life of darkness and into the light, leading them from a life of sin and selfishness into the loving arms of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of good things in life. There's a lot of great moments in life. But there's nothing that you can do that would be more fulfilling than pointing someone to Jesus. Earlier at the beginning of the story, we read that there was plenty of water at this place where Jesus and John were baptizing. And I'm sure geographically there was. But for some reason, this struck me a little bit more when I read it. Because in the very next chapter, Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman and he says to her that he is the living water and that all who drink from the water that he provides will never thirst again. Guys, there's plenty of water. There is no limit to what God can do when a church collectively decides that he's going to be greater and that we're going to point people to him you know, we have the opportunity to partner with God to populate heaven, right? And there's no maximum capacity for heaven, praise God. There's plenty of water. Faithbrook has been positioned here, appointed by God to be a people that points a generation back to the feet of Jesus and into the promises of God. And it's going to take a bold courageous group of people that's willing to be wise and make strategic steps to point people to Jesus, to point people into a new and thriving life with Christ, because that is why we're here. Would you just bow your heads in prayer with me for a second? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for all that you are. I thank you for your love and your grace that you've poured out on us. God, and I thank you for Jesus your son that you sent to die for us, to be a sacrifice for us. God, would we be willing to take a step this morning to make you greater in our lives? God, would you just help us to surrender what needs to be surrendered? Would you help us to release whatever is holding us back from you? Would we just make you greater? And would you give us a boldness? Would you give us courage to reach out to people who so desperately need you? Would you give us wisdom to know how? Would you, would you lead us in your love? 
God, would you open our eyes to who you've placed in our lives that needs to hear about you? God, would you just make us receptive to your, your promptings, to your spirit, that, that we could know your will? God, I just thank you so much for including us in your plan to redeem the world. God, would we be willing to just point more and more people to you? And it's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand for a second before I dismiss you? I know that God is able to use you in some incredible ways. And so I want you to just go this week and be open to who God might be placing in your life that you would be able to point them to Jesus. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed. <laughs>